So thank you all for coming. So let's just think back to last week. We went over the miracle of the lame man being healed at the in the temple. Let's just reread it real quick. So we this is. Logic, we got a logic lesson and everything. Yeah, I didn't even. That's not even going to be posted. That's that was ejected. So this is actually Acts to lesson six. So ten last week didn't happen. But don't do that. We just because we did cover some stuff. So we're just going to kind of re re go over right quick. We're going to read three through. I mean, chapter three, verse one. You know, right there to about, well, 10 or so. So here we go. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Okay, I want to say this. We don't know how much time has passed, okay, between the end of 2, when we talked about the church where the Spirit reigned after Peter's first sermon and there were 3,000 added. And the church was, uh, they were devoting themselves to prayer and everyone was feeling a sense of awe and all those who believe were together and all things in common. So there's a little time here. We, we don't know how much time has passed, so, but <clears throat> probably not that, that long. But I just want to say that and then I want to notice here that what are Peter and John doing at the ninth hour? They're going to the temple. So they're still, you know, they're still at the temple. They're still going to the temple to pray every day. They're still observing the Jewish traditions. They haven't broken from the temple yet. Okay. <clears throat> and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used, used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who are entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were making, taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate in the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right, so we talked about last week just what happened. We just observed this was an immediate healing, the language in the Greek. That Dr. Luke used was pretty uh, descriptive of, of like medical terminology of how this guy's ankles came back together into joint the way they were supposed to be. You know, we beat this and he got healed, and that's all we usually see. Yeah. Think about it a little kid has to learn how to walk. This yep. guy had never walked. He'd been crippled since his mother's womb. That's a good him. point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I mean, this was a total miracle that they couldn't, they couldn't get around it. God did something. It was, yeah, it was immediate and complete. Because you would imagine this guy's legs were so atrophied, you know. Yeah. They'd never been used before. But immediately he was able to stand up and walk and leap and praise God. He went walking and leaping and praising God. You ever heard that song? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know it all. It's something about how. Teach it to me one time when you I, I, I don't know it, but. That was something about how Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. I, I can't remember, but anyway, so if you'll notice in the language, they were going to the temple. They were not yet in the temple, so we think, or scholars think, they were probably right along. This is the temple of the Gentiles, or the temple court. This is the temple of the women, or the court of the women, court of the Israelites, court of the priests, and the holy and the holy of holies. Near Solomon's porch, where Peter would be preaching. Remember, we talked about how they left. So they left the upper room because there were so many people. There's no way he could have spoke to all the people right here in these streets. So we assume at some point they moved over here to Solomon's porch, and um, this is kind of what it looked like. So and they they could get on top of this. There was access to the top of this. So this is the porch standing up. You know where you can. So I imagine Peter standing on top of here, speaking to all these people on the side of this hill. This is the hill of the Temple Mount, preaching. And then here's the pool of Siloam down here at the bottom of the mount where all these baptisms took place. But it says they were on their way to the temple to, to pray when they saw, and he was being carried to the temple, to the beautiful gate. So this probably occurred somewhere along here. They weren't yet in the temple. They were on their way to the temple. So that's kind of where, where the action's happening. We think, you know, I think. <clears throat> and uh, so that's kind of where we left off. This was immediate, full healing in the sight of the people. Everybody, you know, everybody knew this guy. So there's no, there no question of what, what happened here. And so... Let's look at this. So we've, we've been talking about how, you know, this is the, uh, what, what this recording is of uh, like the wildfire of the Holy Spirit spreading out from this upper room, you know. Where the first day it's 3,000 and then at the end of 47, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the church is growing. It's like a wildfire. You know, everybody's taking note of this. But I want to re-change uh, it to a different analogy. Instead of a, a wildfire, let's, I want to look at it as like a spreading disease. Because I thought a lot of people thought that's how they viewed this. This is a cult. And it's a problem. So I read you all this last week. Let's read it again. This is from the Roman procurator Pliny. He wrote to the Emperor Trajan around 98 AD and he said this, quote, persons of all ranks and ages in both sexes will be involved in this persecution. For this contagious superstition is not confined to the cities only, but has spread to the villages and the rural districts. It seems possible, however, to check and to cure it. And there's another quote I want to go back and remind us of. I read a couple of weeks ago. Let's see if I can find it. From Alexander McLaren. It says this, quote, Barbarian, Scythian, bond and free, male and female, Jew and Greek, learned and ignorant, 
clasped, clasped hands and sat down at one table and felt themselves all one in Christ Jesus. They were ready to break all other bonds and to yield to the uniting forces that streamed out from his cross. There never had been anything like it. No wonder that the world began to babble about sorcery and conspiracies and complicity in unnameable vices. So this was the view of the world of this growing Christian movement. They saw it as a problem. You know, the world still views us like that today. It's a real problem. Jesus is a problem. <clears throat> so, let's look at this. So what is infectious Christianity? Here's some questions we're going to ask ourselves. Remember I said last week we're going to examine ourselves, okay? We're going to be honest with ourselves today. We're going to, be, we're going to put on our big boy big girl shorts we're going to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves some hard questions that's what that's what i want us to do this this is kind of an application from this text all right so here's some questions what is infectious christianity and do i have it and am i infecting others with it okay so let's start with this what are the symptoms well like I said last week, we looked at some of the symptoms. That start, that's right there in chapter 2, starting in verse 42, when we talked about the characteristics of a healthy Christian and by, you know, a healthy church. A healthy church full of healthy Christians. So let's, let's, let's look a little more closely. So, so what are the symptoms? First, it's a heart that's inclined to prayer. And we see that. Right there in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. They were devoting themselves to prayer. Because in this early church, remember, they didn't have a lot of programs. You know, They didn't have a Freedom at Last group on Thursday night. They didn't have organized you know, Sunday school, Wednesday night prayer meetings. All they had was prayer. I mean, they, they, they came together. They did certain. They prayed. They worshiped. They taught the word. So when they would come together, they were praying. It's mentioned everywhere. They were devoted to prayer, had a heart devoted to prayer. And uh, so if we're going to, if we're, if we have infectious Christianity, we're just going to be led to pray. Now, nobody is satisfied with their prayer life. I, I guarantee you, you can ask any Christian anywhere and say, are you satisfied with your prayer life? They're most likely going to say no. I know I'm not satisfied with mine. But one thing we can pray when we do pray is say, Lord, give me a heart for prayer. Make me more prayerful. And if we're if we're serious in our in our request, he'll answer it. He'll he'll give us he'll make us more prayerful. Uh, I was here this morning for prayer. It was just me by myself, but it was still good. I still prayed for all of us. So maybe next week somebody can come. Uh, the second symptom are eyes that see possibilities. So let's look at verse 4. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Okay, so, let's just think about this. This man's been sitting at the beautiful gate since forever. I mean, he's never walked, so since he's been old enough to be. He's, or at least since he's had this great spot. He's been, every day, he's sitting at the beautiful gate asking for alms. So, who do you think has walked by this guy 
dozens of times going in and out of the temple. Peter, Peter and John. They've seen this. They probably know exactly who this dude is. They probably talked to him before. They know exactly who he is. Jesus, I'm sure, walked by him numerous times. But I could just imagine he just said, I'm just going to save this one. He, he's going to be here whenever that day comes. Because Jesus could have healed him anytime he wanted to, but he didn't. He was actually born for this moment. Exactly. This is God's providential sovereignty at work, arranging things so that this miracle could take place and Peter could preach this sermon that's coming up. And people would be brought to salvation through it. Okay? So let's see that. Peter seen this guy plenty of times, but till this day, he sees a possibility. Right? He sees that he can help this man, and through that, things, things could happen. So... The next one is a mouth that speaks Jesus. So I have a note here. It says page 56. So let's notice what he says. He says, silver and gold. Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what do I, what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. All three of those words are important. He's letting that guy know exactly who's doing this. Jesus, the, the Christ. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. And Nazarene is his place of origin. So he's letting you know this is Jesus, the Christ. The one from Nazarene that hung on the cross a couple months ago. This, that's that Jesus. He's making very sure they know what Jesus he's talking about. And notice he didn't say, not in the name of Christianity or in the name of the church or in the name of Peter or in the name of the Holy Spirit, not in the name of Yahweh. He said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that's very important. So he spoke Jesus to this man, right? He had a mouth. Peter, at every opportunity he gets, he jumps up in front of people and starts preaching which is such a change from what he was, you know, a couple months ago. And he was he was scared to speak Jesus' name to a serving girl in this court of Caiaphas because he was afraid they were going to get him. That's exactly why. He wanted them to know exactly which Jesus he's talking about. This is Jesus who claimed to be the Christ from Nazarene who died on the cross. Okay. And if you look up Nazarene, what that references when you say that, that's bringing up to, to the people there, their mind, oh, that horrible place there. Nothing good can come from was not considered the great place that he was from. And so when a person was referring to somebody from Nazareth, that was like a slam. That was almost like cursing a person if you call them from Nazareth. And, and there's several Bible verses that, that bring you to 
I think it's Nathaniel speaking with Philip that yeah, and they're been great company. Yeah. And and there's some others. So it'd be like saying Jesus Christ the Dorian. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There were lots of <laughs> lots of Jesuses, <laughs> lots of people named Jesus, but there wasn't that many. Please, Jesuses from Nazareth. Nazareth, Nazareth's a pretty small town, and Jesus. This was well known. Everybody knew what had happened. Everybody knew that there was this man that came out of Nazareth from Galilee who claimed to be the Christ. He was put on a cross and murdered at the Passover. Okay. While they were slaying all the lambs for Passover, Jesus was hanging on that cross, bleeding out. Okay. So, yes, he had a mouth that he spoke to him, but Jesus. And Matthew 12, 34 says this, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So, what does our mouth speak? That's a good question for us. What does my mouth speak? Because that, that's what your heart's full of. It flows out of you. So that's the question. What does my mouth speak? Do I talk about cowboy football 99% of the time? Or golf? Or it would be so whatever it is. Be New Orleans Saints, if anything. Yeah. New Orleans Saints football? <laughs> that's a good question. All right, number four, hands that reach out to others. That's verse seven. Let's see what it says. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Okay, so notice... That the the miracle didn't happen when he said rise up and walk. The miracle happened when he reached out and seized him by the right hand and stood him up. Now that shows Peter's faith. Because just imagine if he reached out and grabbed this man and lifted him up and he let go, the guy fell back down again. That would be that would seem cruel. That would seem very cruel. So he reached out to him. Christ and him. Mm-hmm. That's right. So he reached out to the man. So that's that's a a symptom of an infectious Christianity is hands that reach out to others. So, what's our question? Do I reach out to others? Am I do I have a spirit that's, that wants to be helpful to others? And so this is a good little quote from Dr. Dave, Dr. Uh, he said, the more high-tech the world becomes, the more high-touch we have to become. The world thinks, <laughs> it's crazy, but people think they have a lot of friends on Facebook and they have a lot of friends. That's, that's not connection. Yeah. You can communicate with somebody like that, but that was no, that's no replacement for, yeah. for a touch, for a friend, for a hug, you know. It seems to me like if you could just name any subject and that, that begins to have the appearance of whatever it is. So Facebook and communicating has that appearance. Oh, look at how great we are communicating. But actually, you're not communicating at all. You're just lying to others half the time. It's performative. Everybody's and, performing for everybody else. Yeah, What's yeah. I mean, at, at my job, it's like, seems to get worse and worse that we're just having that appearance that we're doing some wonderful things and we aren't doing it really stop. You know, That's it, right. It's uh, just, I mean, everything. That's right. So let's, let's, let's do this. Let's be aware of that. That the world is being fooled into thinking that that's good and well and it's not. So let's not, 
let that be in our church. Let's remember this quote. The more high-tech the world becomes, the more high-touch we have to become. Okay? We cannot communicate with each other through devices all the time. It's just not It's not good enough. And that's what everybody wants. I know. And I know. Text, not call. Instead of texting, call. Or instead of calling, go visit. Right? I, don't text me. I'm telling you all now. You text me, you're probably not going to get a text back. I'm going to call you back. I loathe a text message. It make, makes me, it, I get viscerally angry when somebody texts me instead of calling me. I, I can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> I stop texting. I, I hate it. I hate text messaging. I hate it. If you, want, you got something to say to me, you know, I mean, it's something like, hey, when are you going to be here? You know, but if you got a, Something you want to talk to me about? Please call me. Don't don't text me. I'm not gonna sit there and text you for 20 minutes when I could say it in five. I just that Great. seems silly to me. That's right. That's right. If it's more than six words, we can speak it. All right. So let's remember that we have to be high touch. Interruptions can also be. Well, here's, let me just say this. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm a horrible listener. I I I, I don't have that skill, right? And I think we as a society, especially here, are losing the skill to listen. Just the skill of conversation in general. To sit and listen what the other person's saying till they're finished, and then you speak back. If you'll notice. People you hear in conversation or conversations you're in, we're constantly interrupting each other. It's constant. I do it. Everybody does it. Everybody I know does it. So. I think that's one of the other things that I've learned in Alan when I've gone is to, that part of the whole structure is listening. And I think that's part of the structure is that you're not supposed to interrupt somebody else. 
Yeah, that's a big deal in AA too. When somebody's sharing, you you don't cross talk. No cross talk. Yeah, I was gonna say if you got to say it, where you can get it. You know, some of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know that's that's free. Put in your pocket. Our communication skills are horrible, but anyway. And then the other thing is, not only do you let somebody finish, you don't comment sit here and have a whole hour talking about social media and communication and how it's messing us up but let's move on well let's, let's go that's pretty much that's the four symptoms of, of, a, of a good infectious case do I have a heart that's inclined to prayer do I have eyes that see possibilities now what, what can we say to say that means opportunities to witness you see opportunities to witness and take them. Walk through that door when it's opened. Do I have a mouth that speaks Jesus? What's in my heart? What was the second one? Eyes that see possibilities. Eyes that see possibilities. I'm just going to go like this down later. A mouth that speaks Amen. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Your, your technology screen is ruining the flow of my lesson, James. Okay, well, I'll give you notes. Yeah. Okay. A heart that prays, eyes that see possibilities, a mouth that speaks Jesus. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. What does my mouth speak? What do I love? And hands that reach out to others. So... What are we to say about this? What does this mean? What what would cause the person to be like this? It's it's the filling of the spirit. If you're filled with the spirit, being led by the spirit, and walking in the spirit, all these things would be true of us. Hearts changed and been circumcised. All these things would be true of us. Let me read you this quote from Vance Habner. <clears throat> quote. The early Christians were infected with a massive dose of real Christianity. They knew Jesus upset the world, worried emperors, and gave the devil insomnia. They started something that spread so rapidly that jails couldn't lock it up, fires couldn't burn it up, swords couldn't cut it up, and officials couldn't shut it up. 
in comparison, 20th century, well, he wrote this in the 20th century, not the 21st. In comparison, 20th century saints, let's just say modern saints, have been vaccinated by a tiny dose of biblical Christianity and have thereby been rendered immune to a good case of infectious Christianity. That's a good, I like that. It's a good quote. So here's, here's our prayer. Let's pray this. Lord, give me a good, strong, infectious case so that I will spread the good news like a disease. Okay. All right, so let's move on. Okay. <laughs> this is such, there's just so much in here. And you think, okay, well, this is such a great miracle that man got healed. But who really, who's this greater miracle? That Peter is speaking and, and doing this. Because as was said, he was a denier. He denied him. He reached out for that man. He spoke spoke Jesus to him, and this is all in the temple, right in front of in front of everybody. No fear, no fear in Peter. That's the filling of the Spirit. That's the, the contrast between Peter before the coming of the Spirit, Peter after the coming of the Spirit. It's a good indication of what the Spirit can do for us. So, and on a smaller scale, and like our jobs or whatever, much Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, that's that infectious Christianity. If we're not filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, it's just we, we can't do that in our flesh. I have one word written from years ago. Trust. Trust. And Peter had to trust. This man had to trust. And all that were watching it had to trust Jesus Christ. Exactly. That was when, it, when Peter reached had out. To trust that. We have a heart of prayer. We have eyes to see the opportunities when we have the heart to speak the truth. We have to trust God. We do the Holy Spirit. You bet. And without the gift of faith, we can't trust Him. We want to do it our way. Well, you got to have the faith to trust Him. And it starts right here. Not in Shane's heart. Not in Daniel's heart. It starts in my heart. That's my, that's my, that's for me, that's for me to attend to. I can't attend to Chuck's heart or Lonnie's heart. I got to attend to my heart. And if everybody in this church will attend to their hearts, imagine, imagine, just imagine the church we would have. That's the church I want to, I want to be. I want to be the church that God wants us to be. And the spirit is how we, how we get there. We have, we have to ask for it. We don't ask for it, it won't happen. Then we have to we have to be open to it. 
submit to it, submit to the Spirit's leading. Don't walk in our flesh, walk in our spirit. Uh, R.U. was big on the inner man and outer man. And the inner man kind of represents the spirit. The outer man represents our, our sinful flesh. And it was all about walking in the, walk, obeying the inner man versus the outer man. Walking in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh. The more we walk in the spirit and, and reject our flesh as a church, the more effective we're going to be in our community. We're going to do all the things that this early church. We can be just like them, y'all. That is not out of our reach. Now, sure, we can't heal. We can't go out and do signs and wonders. Sure, okay, we can't do that. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power. We do have the power of God. And uh, if we just walk in the Spirit and obey, we can be just like them. We can be a fire in this community. One more thing before we move on. real quick. Just, this was interesting. When he talks about how this lame man always sit at the beautiful gate, you know, for his to, to ask for alms. This was this, this is a scholarly thing, but they say this was a prime position, right? This beautiful gate is only mentioned, we only have two references to it. One here from Luke and one from Josephus in his work uh, The War War of the Jews. And I have a quote from that. This is the only two times the beautiful gates ever mentioned. Right here when he says, This man sitteth at the beautiful gate. And here's uh, from Josephus in his work called War. It's War, Volume 3. Quote His begging post is one of the. Wait a minute. That's not it. Okay, yeah, this is the quote I'm looking for. His begging post is one of the best spots in the entire city because it was at the beautiful gate or the Nicanor gate, which Josephus tells us. So this is not a quote directly from Josephus. It was 50 cubits high, 40 cubits wide, was overlaid with Corinthian bronze, and was such a work of art that it, and here's the quote, it far exceeded in value those plated with silver set in gold. That's a direct quote from Josephus. The beautiful gate far exceeded in value those plated with silver set of gold. I just thought that was interesting. And you see that for the gate of the women and the gate of the Israelites or the men's court, that little, a lot of scholars believe that's where the beautiful gate was. It was from between the court of the women and the court of the men or the court of the Israelites. Don't know that for sure. Okay. But a lot of scholars believe that's where it was. So that's where that man was headed to when he saw Peter and John. You couldn't have a better witness. Everybody knew. He probably showed everybody how he's all his bones all crippled. He couldn't walk. He made sure everybody saw him so they give him money. He just said he couldn't walk well. Everybody knew this man. I mean, he's been sitting there for a long time. One, one more thing about the power and the spirit. 
both my commentators I've listened to on this that, I, that I'm using for my main source of commentary both mention this. Okay, so I'm going to read it from this book that Doctor Dykes tells the story to. He says he's he, he's heard this. So apparently this is from church history, right? Church tradition. This is not scripture. So it says uh, the old commentator Cornelius Alapide tells how Thomas Aquinas once called on Pope Innocent II while he was counting a large sum of money. The Pope said, You see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. True, Holy Father, said Thomas, and neither can she now say, Arise and walk. So, the church lost the poverty but they also lost that power. But that doesn't mean we don't have power. There's God still heals people, you know, miraculously. But anyway, I just thought that was a neat quote. <clears throat> All right. Anything else on infectious Christianity? Is that, is that pretty clear? Is that good? See how much time we got. Ah, well, we'll, we'll stop right there. It's ten twenty almost. I know. Uh, next, we're going to get into Peter's sermon, sermon number two. What happens immediately after this? Peter preaches another sermon here, and uh, <clears throat> it's going to take us, you know, a full lesson to, to go over this. So there's no sense of starting now. We'll just stop right there. So, any comments, questions, observations, criticisms, insights? I want to say that, you know, you never know what the Lord's going to do. Like, if you're in, at work, and you feel kind of, I mean, persecuted like it's supposed to, like we're supposed to be persecuted. It just trust me sometimes to hear from people. Just remember, we're not, we don't have to convince nobody of nothing. We just have to give them the truth, give them the message. It's up to God to give the increase. So if we have eyes to see and hands that are willing to reach out and a mouth that will speak it, God will honor it. And let's just remember, it may look bleak and dark out there, but God is working. He's working in people's lives every day. He's saving people every day. People are coming into the kingdom every day. Every day. So let's just remember that. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Okay? Trust in the Spirit. Ask for the Spirit. Submit to the Spirit. And all will be well. You might go to jail over it. But just think, okay, we'll have, we'll have church in jail. That's the kind of way I look at it. 
<laughs> Me and Zane's been there. Not a big deal. It's not that bad. Yeah. So let's pray and be uh, dismissed. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you. Thank you for your for your servant Peter and for your servants Luke who who wrote these things down for us so that we could read about them and study them and pattern our walk after their walk. Thank you for the lame man. Even though we, we don't know his name, we know you know his name. Thank you for using him to to teach us. Just thank you for your spirit and your your instruction and for your love and your mercy. Father, I just pray that you would enable us to take these to take these words of yours and just apply them to our life and to store them up in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We could use them to guard our way, to, to guide our steps. For like, as David wrote your word, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So Father, help us to follow the path that you are marking out for us through your word and through your, through your law and through your statutes. Just go with us now, these wonderful people. <clears throat> and Father, I just pray you would fill us, each one of us, with your spirit. Lead us in your spirit. Let us walk in your spirit so that we might serve you and be the church that you would have us to be. Father, strengthen us as a body. Strengthen our leaders, our elders, our teachers, and just every one of us, Father, help us all to be servants unto our Lord Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Amen.